0: Welcome to Vita Readings.
1: Lit from the Basement.
0: This is Danielle.
1: this is Max.
0: This is a show in which I introduce my poetry-resistant husband to a poem that I feel personally connected to. Uh, We discuss it as well as use it as a springboard to discuss contemporary issues and stories from our lives. Hmm. We have to do this in our basement while our children are sleeping Mm -hmm. because it's the only time of day we can talk to one another. And the boys are asleep.
1: So let's do this. So what do you have for me today?
0: (laughs) So today's poem is by Tracy K. Smith, Mm -hmm. which if uh, you are tuned into the poetry scene is... I am not. (laughs) um, ...is going to be a very familiar name to you since she's the current poet laureate. Current? Yes. Oh,
1: okay. Then I should (laughs) have... (laughs) Okay.
0: She's the current U.S. poet laureate, um, the consultant to the Library of Congress for poetry okay Uh, and this is her second term we're in her second term now her first term was last year and uh, she was renewed for a second term in march so she and she's also won the pulitzer okay so if you know anything about poetry you know tracy k smith's name
1: and for the other half of our audience that i represent, (laughs) represent we don't
0: yeah fair enough um so she's probably the most famous poet in america right right now god
1: okay sorry Uh,
0: no it's no problem (laughs) um this is actually kind of the fun thing about doing this podcast with you is like i think about these things Mm. all day and you're like how was work and i was like fine and then we go on with our day. Or I'm like, "How are the boys? What's going on?" You know,
1: they're taxing me beyond my capacities. <laughs> How was your day?
0: Or you know, I'm like, "What was your favorite part of today?" And you tell me some lovely story about one of our boys. But you know, this like, "What did you do at work?" Um, you know, I thought all day about poetry. It's sort of a strange and vague thing to say back. So I'm like, "It was fine." Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's funny. Um, it's really funny to me that you actually didn't know who Tracy K. Smith was.
1: Yeah, I'm deeply unplugged from your world.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Because the other thing is, like, you know, I met her when I worked in at the University of Cincinnati right after she won the Pulitzer. And I'm sure that I came home and, and said something about did, her.
1: Did we have a child then?
0: Um, no.
1: No? Mm-mm,
0: this is 2012.
1: Okay, so I was still a heavy, heavy drinker back then, so maybe that's...
0: (laughs) Possibly, but also, you notoriously have a terrible memory. You guys, Max didn't know who I was for the first eight years that he knew me. We will Mm. save this for another podcast Mm -hmm. and why it's so distressing.
1: I do have a memory like a sieve.
0: Yeah. So, but, okay, Tracy K. Smith, we are not doing her any favors with this podcast. okay, press on. Everybody knows who she is, right? Um, But, you know, um, people uh, talk a lot about Life on Mars, which is the book that she won the Pulitzer for, um, which discusses... um, David Bowie? No. uh, It it actually discusses the Hubble telescope, uh, which her father was an engineer on. Oh, Shazam. Yeah. Her emotional attachment to that particular scientific project, um, you know, was the center of mm-hmm. that book. And, and of course, her attachment to her father who had passed away.
1: Is this the one that won the Pulitzer?
0: Yes. It's a wonderful book. And it's the book that people give her most attention for. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to talk about a poem from her very first book, The Body's Question, uh, which was the winner of the Kabe Kanem Poetry Prize.
1: What was the name of that award?
0: Ah, Kaveh Khanum. Uh It's the first book award for uh, poets of African descent. Okay. Yeah, it's a um, an award that launched the literary careers of several literary giants, such as Natasha Trethewey mm-hmm. and Major Jackson. Um, so it's one of those series to sort of keep an eye on because it might launch the career of a brand new, bright talent.
1: Or the next poet laureate. Indeed. Now, we normally... Have some kind of anecdote as and, uh, normally. I mean, second show, but uh, the other shows we recorded, um, we arrived at a poetry selection from an anecdote about one of our one of our anecdotes from our lives. How did you? I, I'm. I'm. How did we come to this poem? Oh, how did okay. You select this All one. All right. Today?
0: Fair enough. I think that I was thinking about. Well, I think a lot about my early life, my early adulthood, which is really more of an extended. Adolescence Mm -hmm. and about traveling around a lot to a lot of foreign countries. Uh, And the way that doing that, placing yourself into uncomfortable and possibly confusing and maybe sometimes scary situations, Mm -hmm. um, makes you realize a lot of things. Um, The world (laughs) is a huge and scary place, but also that you are a capable person um, who can. Traverse various terrains mm-hmm. and social situations, um, and come out all right. Um, and this particular poem, I think, I think I still love it, um, though I first read it long ago. I love it because I think it's such a wonderful way that it captures that sense of being a sort of foreign presence um, in a foreign country, mm-hmm. um, being young and. Slightly naive and and have a certain amount of bravado, mm-hmm. and having that checked. Um, and I do like have when
1: you went up into the mountains of Burma. <laughs> like that
0: I've never been to Burma <laughs> you're talking about the Malaysian Highlands oh sorry yeah yeah, yeah I, that that actually was that. that's a really good anecdote which I actually was not thinking about that oh but I, thought, yeah.
1: I thought that was, okay go ahead
0: yeah no I mean the Malaysian Highlands I could I could talk about but yeah I, I went I uh,
1: retroactively get angry at you when you tell me <laughs> that
0: I know you always get so mad. It was amazing. I had a wonderful time. Okay, but I got was... lost in the jungle, uh, in a jungle that has tigers. Um, I didn't meet any tigers. We really wanted to see monkeys, me and my girlfriends. And we took this uh, bus up to the top of, or as far as we could go, to the Malaysian highlands um, just to go on a day hike, really. Um, we were going to go past an Orang Asli village. Um, not under those that is the um, native people of malaysia not really understanding what that meant either we're like oh we'll just go past this village we arrived to the village and i was like we should not be here this is this is actually disgraceful that we're doing this Mm -hmm. as a traveling episode like we just thought tra la la we're just gonna traverse the uh the the beautiful landscape of Malaysia the the highlands of Malaysia and we'll, we'll, we'll like what I was gonna go up to people I didn't know and ask to take their pictures like so we got there and um you know it's I mean, it's more or less a reservation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just didn't have context for that because in my head, Malaysia is like, oh, there's nothing like- It's any-
1: homogeneous. <laughs> well, you
0: know, yeah. Well, I mean, well, partly, but Malaysia isn't. I know. It's, it's, I know. But, right, but we, before we categorize
1: I c- everybody within a border as
0: we put one- Yeah, that's true. Like, oh, Malaysians. Like, here's your, no. Here's yeah, your, yeah. Malaysia sign is your neck like, to where- <laughs> But Malaysia is one of the most diverse places mm-hmm. on the planet. And um, so- going to this Orang asli village as soon as i walked in i was like i'm just going to a space where poor people are living mm-hmm. i mean immediately as soon as stepping onto that and seeing the faces of these people who sort of looked at us like what the hell are you doing here and no we're not going to perform for you mm-hmm. which i felt a Deep kind of shame for myself that I had walked into the situation thinking of it as like a tour, mm-hmm. like, oh, this is fun. I'm like, no, this is people's lives and this is their space. And I'm walking into their space and I felt profoundly uncomfortable. It was like, oh, this was not a good choice for what to do here.
1: That That's not the anecdote that led to you choosing this.
0: no but uh, I like this one better, perhaps. Oh,
1: okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) Anyways, walking back away from the village, we decided that we were going to stray from the actual hiking path and go through walk through the jungle as a shortcut Mm -hmm. because we knew about where the village we needed to get to, and we were all hungry. It was about lunchtime. We were just going to hike through, go to the Orangva-Asli village, and then hike down to this other village to get lunch. Mm -hmm. Well, we cut through the jungle um, to get down, Not really understanding that once you actually are in the jungle, it's kind of impossible to know which direction you're going in if you don't have like a compass, which we did not. And so we did a lot of walking around in what I think were circles. Mm -hmm. We did walk and walk and walk and then come across a, uh, a small stream with a peculiar looking palm. So at that point... And we came across that twice. On the second time, when we thought that we were making headway, I was like, no, we've been to this stream and we've been to this pond um, before. And um, luckily, um, we were joined with um, the uh, some Muslim Malay men that we had met the night before, which sounds scandalous, but it's not what you think. <laughs> when we were hiking around, because we got dropped off and we were going to just sleep in the jungle, that was our plan. Um, we ran across these two young men who are about our age, maybe a little bit older, who were working on a power plant uh, mm-hmm. in the Malaysian highlands. And when you're um, sent to construct these things in that particular country, you also live and sleep there. Um, so you're sort of building your house as you as you sleep there. Anyways, um, Carrie and Lee um, both hung out with us and they were delightful. And um, Carrie spoke Uh, English pretty well Mm -hmm. Lee spoke less English but quite a bit of it and so we were just like hanging out sort of exchanging stories of being adolescents in our various countries Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, which is great and so we had them with us um, which was also wonderful because uh, at some point I think that they were just sort of along for the ride and like yeah sure we'll go we invited them to come with us because we liked them a lot Mm -hmm. and uh, at some point when we realized we were lost lost Um, then Lee climbed the tallest tree that he could find, like shimmied his way all the way up Mm -hmm. to like look out and kind of see where we were and, uh, was like, okay, well, we're too far away from here and it's going to get dark soon. Like, why don't you just come back to the power plant? We'll get you guys some dinner and, um, you can just sleep there. Mm Um, I'm like, hmm, a whole power plant full of men we don't know
1: mm-hmm. um nobody knows where you are nobody
0: knows where we are at all mm-hmm. um and uh we were just like well i don't know what options do we have and
1: can you sense the admonishing stare i'm giving you
0: <laughs> i know he's so decades mad at me later <laughs> um but they were good guys we knew that they were good guys mm-hmm. they didn't give off any creepy vibes whatsoever
1: mm, yeah. <laughs> ted right. bundy was incredibly <laughs> charismatic <laughs>
0: So uh, we went to the we went to the power plant, and luckily, the foreman, who was a much older man, was mostly just flabbergasted. Like, what are you American girls doing in the Malaysian highlands? Why would you go to an orangutan like, jungle? Yes, exactly. What are you doing? Like they were just like you're insane. Um, mostly the the foreman. You know, I could see uh, Carrie translating like our situation to the foreman. Who just like kept shaking his head. Like y- what? How? What are you doing? Um, but they are all really really kind to us. They made us um, dinner, um, and we slept on the cement floor in the in the power plant and then they he kindly let Carrie and Lee um keep hanging out with us mm-hmm. by uh getting us to um to
1: be chaperones
0: yeah to be mm-hmm. chaperones really uh to get us to the train station uh to get us back to the ship before the ship was going to leave our ship uh so that was great um and i i'm not sad about any of that mm-hmm. <laughs> And I would make all of the same decisions except actually going to see the Orangosley Village, which I still feel sort of ashamed about.
1: It's going to make lecturing our sons harder if they ever listen to the show (laughs) about self-preservation and being smart. All
0: right. But I was 21 at the time. I wasn't a total baby. Okay. (laughs) Well, by 21, they'll probably be... Out in the world, right? We won't be there to tell them no. I mean, if I had told my mom any of this while I was doing it, she would have had a heart attack. Mm, So. So.
1: This poem.
0: This poem is more serious. Okay. More serious. Okay. Than what I just described. Okay. Um, But I think that um, one of the things um, I really like about it is that it's really about a moment of realization, a kind of pivotal moment in the speaker's early adult life Mm -hmm. um, in which she begins to understand really how thin her understanding of the world has been and how vast and dangerous dangerous the mm-hmm. possibilities are. So even though there's a lot happening around the speaker and there's a lot of emphasis on physical detail throughout, um, at its heart I really think of this as a poem about an internal realization of the speaker. It's almost, I might say, a coming-of-age poem hmm. um, because the moment it starts... To the moment it ends, it feels to me as if the speaker crosses a threshold squarely into an adult understanding of the world. Mm. And despite it being about something tangible, uh, about the sort of epiphanic moment itself, um, one of the things I love about this poem is how cinematic it is. Mm. It feels like it's really a pivotal scene um, in the speaker's life. Um, So I'd like to read it for you. And as I read it... I want you to consider her use of water.
1: Hmm. Water. Okay.
0: Who's in the water and who's outside of it.
1: Oh, so not, not, not consuming water. Okay. I, I, I Possibly.
0: Follow. But okay. L- pay attention to her use of water in the poem. Okay. Thirst. By Tracy K. Smith. The old man they called Barque, who welcomed us with food and rice paper cigarettes at the table outside his cabin, was the one who told the soldiers to sit down. They were drunk. They'd seen the plates on our car from the road and came to where you and I and Barque and his son sat laughing. I must have been drunk myself to laugh so hard at what I didn't understand. It was night by then. We smoked to keep off the mosquitoes. There was fish to eat, nothing but fish Barque and the other men caught. The two little girls I played with were asleep in their hammocks. Even Jenny and Manuel, who rode with us and waited while we hurried out of our clothes and into those waves, the color Of atmosphere. Before the soldiers sat down, they stood there, chests ballooned. When we showed them our papers, they wanted something else. One of them touched the back of my leg. With your eyes, you told me to come beside you. There were guns slung over their shoulders like tall sticks. They stroked them absently with their fingers. Their leader was called Jorge. I addressed him in the familiar. I gave him a half-empty bottle of what we were drinking. When it was empty, I offered to fill it with water from the cooler. He took a sip, spat it out, and called you by your name. I didn't want to see you climb onto that Jeep of theirs so tall and broad it seemed they ridden in on elephants yoked shoulder to shoulder flank to flank maybe this is a story about the old man they called Barque the one with the crooked legs that refused to run maybe this is a story about being too old to be afraid and too young not to fear authority and abuse it and call it by its name and call it a liar Or maybe it's a story about the fish, the ones hanging on branches to dry, and the ones swimming with eyes that would not shut in water that entered them and became them and kept them from thirst.
1: Who is the person that took the hit for her? I'm obviously a woman.
0: Why do you think it's a woman?
1: Because this person, basically, they looked at her, touched her leg. This person with their eyes said, stand beside me. Oh, 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 the speaker.
0: The speaker is a woman.
1: No. Yes, the speaker is a woman, but the person she's addressing. The you? The you.
0: That's funny. I think it's absolutely a lover and a man really yeah
1: because she seems concerned for them um and called you by your name i didn't want to see you climb onto that jeep of theirs yeah she, this person went away with them to take the hit yeah that basically saved her from a rape i or am i misinterpreting this entirely is it resisting the read? It-
0: <laughs> it's not necessarily resisting the read. I think it's really interesting that you automatically think that the you is a she. Mm-hmm. Usually in poetry, the you is an intimate address to the lover, unless it is given, we are otherwise told, unless it is otherwise indicated.
1: I'm, I'm Okay. That must be an unwritten rule somewhere.
0: It's not <laughs> I don't know that it's an unwritten rule, and it may just be my own impression, but usually think of all the the love poems that you've ever heard.
1: This is not a love poem, though. No. This is a a story of menace.
0: It is a story of menace. But the you in it um, has to be... I mean, I can see how you'd think that... You think it's a a woman and a friend.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, yes.
0: In this. Yeah, see, I think of it as a beloved. It might be possibly... um, Can it
1: be a woman and a lover? Does it? I mean,
0: mean, you know, it could be, but uh, as far as I know, Tracy K. Smith is heterosexual
1: okay (laughs) and and can't possibly write a
0: (laughs) (laughs) no but this book is so autobiographical oh okay most of her work is okay okay. um and centered in her life Mm -hmm. um and i think that she was as far as i remember this is the first sections of this are set so clearly in um a spanish-speaking country Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. uh i assume mexico um partly because um, of a conversation I had with her. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Like I,
1: I, I got the feeling of, obviously, uh, Central or South America, but y- you had a conversation, Possibly. so Mexico, okay. Yeah,
0: that, that she spent a lot of time there mm-hmm. um, in her early 20s, and from what I understand, um, you know, had a, well, I can't speculate now, because I'm working on like a six-year-old memory of a conversation mm-hmm. that I probably had too much wine at, so. Mm-hmm. But um, the reason why I feel like, the you is a man Mm -hmm. is partly because of the way that the you the you does take a hit here and draws attention uh, to themselves um, from those from those soldiers Um, but it's the way that the soldiers are sort of they they they're changing their manner right They spat out your name and then they took him onto the jeep, like you're in trouble
1: see I read that as he took a sip spat it out spat it like like she she refilled the bottle from the cooler so he expects more more booze has water spits it out and then calls for you know no I'm not going to take this I'm not going to have pleasure from booze I'm going to take pleasure from you
0: Oh, see, I don't see that at all. Wow, okay. It, I, I mean, I see that the that the soldiers are just menacing,
1: mm-hmm. uh, generally. So there's definitely lots of posturing.
0: Oh, there's lots of menacing Look and at me. posturing. I'm a guy with a gun.
1: Yeah, exactly. But and also, and literally, like tall sticks, they stroke them absently with their fingers. Yeah, like a guy alone watching porn, absently, just kind of. (laughs) I mean, it's
0: no. There, I mean, there's definitely something phallic about those.
1: There's definitely sexual menace.
0: There's definitely sexual menace. There's something really phallic about the the guns, sticks
1: and such. Yes. Yes,
0: but um, yeah, I really see the you here as a lover, and it may be because of um, other poems from the book. Okay. Okay. Um, I could be wrong. Um, Mm. You know, perhaps this this is another instance. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, generally speaking in poetry, if there is a you, if somebody's addressing you, Mm -hmm. um, it's really almost always a beloved Hmm. unless it's indicated in the poem, my friend, my mother, these sorts of things. And that's just, I mean, that's the tradition of it. Hmm. Um, I don't know if it's an unspoken rule or it's just something, because I don't think I've ever thought this ever in my life before this very moment, like. The you. I'm like, I always think that the you is a lover unless it is indicated Hmm. otherwise. But, I I mean, I like you honing in on who is the you. It's a good question. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, also, you know, who is the I? I mean, one of the things I really like about this scene, as I said, I feel like it's very cinematic. Mm -hmm. You've got scene setting. There's drama. And there are characters. There are characters with names. Mm -hmm. Right. And the first character we meet is Barke, the Mm -hmm. old man who invites the drunk soldiers to sit with them. And this seems like a defensive tactic.
1: Yes. Yes. Like, Hey, yes. Like, yes. It's, We're it's, all having it's
0: a good time.
1: It's like a dog rolling on its back, showing its belly to an alpha male. Uh, it's, it's like, Hey, yes, come, come. <laughs> to a
0: certain, or, or just a way to be like
1: ingratiate yourself with a, with a person who's, well,
0: who's possibly hostile. We, we, we mean, you know, harm,
1: right? Right. We've, we, we've handled hostile fathers in a similar manner. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so he invites the soldiers to sit with them. And the speaker tells us very plainly, they'd seen the plates on our car from the road and came to where you and I and Barque and his son sat laughing. I must have been drunk myself to laugh so hard at what I didn't understand.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So early in the poem, we have the full cast list. Mm-hmm. You and I, Barque and Barque's son. The you is left unnamed by the actions of this you in relation to the speaker we understand that you must be close with the eye they are either lovers or very close friends Mm -hmm. since the you is able to communicate with the eye later on with a look right only with his eyes or her eyes so she knows his face the looks he makes and the you has a connection to i think to this country in some way
1: Okay, um, I don't because I,
0: because the because the police take them away. This you,
1: yeah, I, I'm still coming. I'm still in my brain that this is somebody who, I mean, a, a female traveling companion who took a horrific hit for a friend is is my my read of that. So it took them away, and that you have on um, come that jeep. They're so tall and broad. It seemed like they ridden in on elephants, yoked, you know. So basically, it's literally a litter. A sedan for a Raj. These guys come in feeling high in themselves. They've had some booze. Kingly, yeah, they're dangerous. like dangerous. Yeah, we we are menace. We can take what we wish. Um, let us take it without direct threat. Um, I'm maybe because I've seen you know.
0: <laughs> I just wouldn't think that that the you would give themselves up like that if they thought that they were going. I I think the guy took that position because he knew that he was going to be in a dangerous situation.
1: Here's the question. Are they in But if, he
0: wasn't going to be raped.
1: I keep thinking that this is like what what if it's not Mexico? What's further? What if it's Salvador in the early 80s?
0: But it's not. Okay. It's given, really not. This given is given this was, was published cats, in 2003.
1: Right? But this person wasn't alive in the early 80s?
0: Yeah, I'm sure that they were alive in the early 80s, but they were how old were you in the early 80s?
1: I was traveling age. Really? Yeah
0: no you weren't traveling age to a foreign country by yourself no no well she's younger than you okay yeah
1: (laughs) ouch i don't like the way you just said that (laughs) but see you're pulling from outside the poem sure i'm working with what i see here
0: (laughs) (laughs) but why do you assume that it has to be we're like way off topic for this whole thing
1: let's let's go back to your you were talking about cinema um, the last two lines of the first uh, second stanza and into those waves the color of atmosphere one of the best colors I mean one of the best descriptions of a blue ocean I've seen is diffused atmosphere isn't bright blue but we know it's blue or at least our atmosphere is oh yeah and but it's diffused it's it's not quite crystal clear it's it's muddied it's it's slightly well,
0: yeah, that's one of my favorite lines in the poem, and and that and notice that it happens the second stanza. Mm-hmm. It's a flashback, right? To earlier in the day. The first starts in in real time mm-hmm. as it goes on. You mm-hmm. get the second stanza is in flashback, and then you go back to the moment right after the soldier sat down, and it goes forward from there to the end. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. So this this flashback is so idyllic, right? It's beautiful.
1: There's people sleeping in hammocks. They're they're oh, smoking, yeah. we are fucking on the day. Sleeping They're... in
0: hammocks, playing with children, skinny, skinny dipping, eating the fish that barge caught. Barge, by the way, looks like an, the English word for barge, mm-hmm. which, of course, is a kind of boat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's significant in here. He's sort of skimming the surface of the water. He's not in it um, mm-hmm. or outside of it. Right. For a moment, we're we're suspended in the speaker's sort of idealistic view of the day. It's like sort of beautifully languid. Right. Um, She's we hurried, on the day. Yeah, we hurried out of our clothes. She's totally drunk on the day. Mm-hmm. Hurried out of her clothes and into those waves, the color of atmosphere, which is such a great line. You have this sense that the water itself was clear enough to represent both clarity and height. It's almost as if they're diving into the sky mm-hmm. in, that, in that line. Um, it's just so gorgeous. Um, and from that height, from that sort of moment of pure joy pure beauty she's sort of brought abruptly back in the third stanza before
1: the soldiers sat down
0: mm-hmm. yeah exactly you know before the soldiers sat down with their chests ballooned mm-hmm. so we see that before when barque's like oh yeah join us for a drink there's not a lot of talk about necessarily about the description of the soldiers she notices that they're drunk but that's mm-hmm. it from that first stanza but how we get to the to the Sorry, from the first stanza. By the time we get to that third stanza and we get that first sort of description of them, of their chest ballooned, we have an idea of what kind of men these are. Mm-hmm. Um, an inflated sense of self.
1: A drunk soldier. Mm-hmm. Just that.
0: Oh, yeah. You're like, I don't.
1: <laughs> this is all kinds of alarms going off.
0: Oh, yeah. Imagine if they said a sure. drunk
1: cop. I mean, it's it's this yeah. is alarming.
0: Oh, for sure. Somebody yeah. who
1: has the authority and the power to murder indiscriminately. Oh, yeah. Being drunk.
0: Yeah, but not only that, but they're, they're, they've are they're got their guns in their hand. They're driving up on their official Jeeps, right? Like, you have to imagine a drunk cop getting out of a cop car with his gun in his hand.
1: That he's fingering
0: that he's erotically. Fing- yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you're like, um, <laughs> uh, danger. Bad. yeah. Danger. Red light. Yeah. Red light. For sure. Red light. So... Um, you know, so they they get out with their chest balloons, um, they're being official, um, mm-hmm. they're using their position to puff themselves up, right? I mean, what are they really looking for here? There's an old man and a son and two. Well, they came
1: over just because of the plates.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, two travelers who are all laughing together on a front porch, right? Mm-hmm. I don't believe that they're looking for something amiss. Mm-mm. They're looking at the, the, they see that there are plates there, and it may they're not. They're just looking for an opportunity yeah. to exploit.
1: Yeah. Shake somebody down for money or far worse.
0: Right. With your eyes, you told me to come beside you. There were guns. OK, so things have gotten very tense Mm -hmm. very quickly. There are all kinds of threats happening here. They beyond the threat of bureaucratic interference. Right. Like that's the least of it. You know, possible sexual violence. There are actual guns, which suggests physical violence and. The soldiers are stroking those instruments. So, uh, you know, it's like they've got an itch to use them Mm -hmm. in some way. Then she gives us a series of possibly of mistakes or possibly just a retrospective on what she now understands as ill-advised actions. Right. She addresses their leader, Jorge, in the familiar. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with Spanish, the language has two different words for you to convey the sort of level of formality you have with the person that you're speaking to. Um, it's a kind of linguistic marker of hierarchy. So you use the formal usted when talking to a stranger or someone older than you or someone in a position of authority. You use the informal too when talking to someone your own age or your own social position.
1: Sherman has it too. I'm sure many others. Oh
0: yeah, for sure. Um, mo- I think a lot of the romantic languages. Romance languages, rather, although they are romantic.
1: <laughs> I think I think anybody who has a background whose nation wasn't founded on egalitarianism
0: or the idea of it,
1: yeah, yeah. who are sold on the concept, <laughs> who were sold it. on the concept
0: of egalitarianism, but has not yet reached it itself. Yeah. So in in this case, Jorge the soldier is both a stranger and in a position of authority. So the speaker's use of the f- familiar here is really insulting, mm. um, especially. And you don't want to insult a a drunk soldier. <laughs>
1: Who's in a rapey, murdery kind of (laughs) mood. Yeah,
0: totally. So she's a foreigner. um, So he might be able to brush this off as ignorance on her part. Mm -hmm. His reaction doesn't seem like it's necessarily in here, but she notes it, right? I use the familiar when I give it to him. So she she gives him uh, kind of boozy water because she gives him the rest of the bottle of what they've been drinking. Half. Half.
1: And he proceeds to drink the rest him, of it or yeah
0: yeah so he's he's getting more of a drunk on mm-hmm. and then she goes fills fills it up with water for the from the cooler and he spits it out right but he spits it out along with the U's name and then we get this terrible moment um it's the moment in which the U is taken by the soldiers and it's hard to tell if the U comes back
1: well the camera pans Away.
0: Yes. And, and it does this almost, almost immediately in, when the speaker says, I don't want to see you, mm-hmm. right? Which is brilliant. I didn't, I didn't want to see you climb onto that Jeep of theirs. And then goes into the image of the Jeep as sort of like war elephants, mm-hmm. right? Um, and yeah, it pans away. And then it goes into thought. It becomes really detached yeah it suddenly starts talking about the scene that she's been describing that we've been immersed in
1: but that's what happens with severe trauma people yes. separate they're looking at it now from a step removed absolutely that's why I'm like, this is
0: yeah absolutely the the you is 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 leaving and we don't know what's going to happen to the you and in fact she never comes back to tell us what happened Mm -hmm. so we get to this this last stanza and we are utterly removed from the scene that we've been immersed in this entire time maybe this is a story about the old man they called barque why is this suddenly theoretical
1: right yeah she is telling us the story and suddenly it's like "Mm, i don't know maybe this is like so even she doesn't want to delve into too much why she's telling us the story and doesn't want to finish the thought because she knows that we yeah. We'll say, and then what happened?
0: Yeah. And that's not, and, but then what happened actually isn't the heart of this poem. Mm-hmm. The heart of this poem is her own realization. Is It is the realization that she has somehow contributed to putting her friend or lover in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, that she was being a little bit too glib,
1: too cavalier.
0: Too cavalier. She had too much bravado. She
1: was too American. In, in the I addressed world him as in, in America. The,
0: yeah, I addressed him in the familiar. Um, you know, I, she's so casual with yeah. all of this. She doesn't realize exactly what's happening or what can happen.
1: Yeah, she'll say, "Hey there, Georgie boy. Have some of our booze." Right? No, no, no. you don't want to do that. You just, yeah, this guy's a psychopath, possibly.
0: Right. So maybe this is a story about the old man they called Barque, the one with the crooked legs that refused to run. Maybe this is a story about being too old to be afraid. You get the sense that Barque is like, I've seen all this so many times, I am exhausted. Yeah. Being too old to be afraid. Mm -hmm. Fine, let them take me. Sure, come on, drunk soldiers, have some and and this is the problem is this t- this combination of Barke being like sure come drink and the young people that he's b- with being like oh you're soldiers <laughs> you know that that it leads to this climactic moment of the friend or lover being taken away so maybe and maybe the story is about uh, being too old to be afraid and too young not to fear authority and abuse it and call it by its name and call it a, a liar. liar. You're like, oh no, things no, you do not do that in this situation.
1: I've had an officer once uh yeah, I, I peed blood after getting belly clubbed in the kidneys by a cop I got a little too mouthy with <laughs> on a dark street
0: were you uh, was this when you were uh, uh, a punk rocker yeah in in LA in the 80s
1: yeah yeah Um, but yeah I got mouthy thought what are you going to do to me yeah he showed me (laughs) left me pissing blood on the side of the road oh
0: my god yeah
1: but he didn't arrest me so that was that was good so there was that yeah I'm white so I have that going
0: right well it's still but
1: it was a like oh oh I gotta I gotta watch my mouth
0: right because, you know, what's going to happen, yeah. like what punishment is going to come to him? I mean, it, it really was like, I'm going to beat you up now because I can. Yeah. So and call it a liar. So there's mm-hmm. a sense that they've gotten really mouthy with mm-hmm. these soldiers, yep. Yep. at least in some way to make them enraged. And then you get this this line. And you're like, what? Or maybe it's a story about the fish. Excuse me. What? How could this possibly be a story about the fish?
1: Is that rhetorical? go ahead well because earlier what happened in the day they fed on fish lazily yep they were they were just like and the fish had no idea what was coming to them that morning either no, in a beautiful s- ocean
0: yeah they were swimming in the water yeah. completely
1: big-eyed being a part of the water and like, yanked mm, out
0: mm, look this wiggly worm i can just put my mouth yep. on oh, whoops a hook <laughs> right um the ones hanging on branches to dry and the ones Swimming with eyes, but the ones hanging on dra- branches to dry have been gutted. Mm-hmm. They are dead mm-hmm. um, and they are drying, so they're utterly not in their element, right? And they've been lifted out of their lives into uh, this death in which they will be consumed by other people for pleasure, <laughs> ultimately. Casually. Or or just for uh, sustenance, necessity.
1: And with all the thought. That we give the devouring of a fish, right? These soldiers, right? So yeah. how much empathy? There's no empathy. There's no. like no. You're something. I I I got a little bit of a craving.
0: So this is this is this sort of cinematic element of this. I really feel like you you said earlier. You know, at that moment of I didn't want to see you, and then it feels like the 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 camera pans pans away over to these dried fish. Yeah hanging up there you're like oh man like because this is the really the first image that we arrive to Mm -hmm. right everything else that she's i didn't want to see you and she's sort of thinking of the jeeps as elephants and then there's that fourth stanza and the whole fourth stanza is really theoretical maybe it's about barge maybe it's about being old maybe it's about being young um, this I final think, stanza. I think you meant fifth stanza. Oh, yeah, fifth stanza. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I the see. final stanza. This image of the fish, these dried sort of, if you think hanging
1: of- Hanging in trees. Ha- hanging
0: in trees, too dead to be afraid, mm-hmm.
1: right? You know, the ones alive and oblivious, swimming yeah. in the ocean. And
0: swimming in the ocean, um, which keeps them from thirst. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I do want to ask uh, about specifically what we come to the title, because we we literally, last word of the whole entire poem is our title. um. But the hard uh, talking about uh, what is it? Um, uh, the ones hanging on the branches to dry, to dry, comma, and the ones swimming. It's like it's it's it doesn't even what do you call it? A line break. There's not even a line break to separate the two. Mm-hmm. That's that's even more casually fading in. Mm-hmm. My interpretation of it. Right. Um, the ones hanging on the branches to dry and the ones swimming. Like it's it's it just flows through. Like, right. No, casual a comma. Is all that's got separated? not even a line break. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, that's true. Uh, she's placing them the same in the way that she 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 does the same construction with the sentence before when she's talking about oh, the the was... old and the young. Mm. If you notice, in that you know maybe this is a story about being too old to be afraid, oh, comma and too young not to fear authority. Oh,
1: yeah, you're right.
0: So she she, she yeah she uses the same exact syntactical construction mm-hmm. for comparing the fish. Oh, you're wow, right? The, the, the fish I'm that are already dead and the fish that are living but can't even imagine their deaths. Mm-hmm. They're so ignorant of what is outside of that, right? They're just swimming in the water in, in a beautiful day.
1: Naked like she was earlier.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Completely naked. Just having fun. Innocent.
1: In a beautiful ocean. Right. But I, I'm a little not quite there with thirst as earning a title... Do you um
0: so you see thirst happening throughout um, there's this they're drinking mm-hmm. throughout, and of mm-hmm. course they're they're drinking alcohol, but there's this sort of thirst for life if you want to think of it that way. There's the moment in which she gives the soldier an actual drink of water and he spits it out mm-hmm. um, he wants to be sort of. Thirsty, literally thirsty. He wants to keep drinking the alcohol. He doesn't want water. He'd spit out water. Oh, okay. Um, And then you also have this scene of them skinny dipping um, in the water, um, and to be kind of immersed in in that way, and to think of fish. I mean, it's funny because before this poem, I'd never in my life thought. Do fish ever get thirsty? Of course they don't. They swim in water all day, right? Um, it's not just that it's something that they consume. It's that they must live in that state. Um, they must live in an environment of water, right? So they wouldn't be thirsty. They can just gulp it down mm-hmm. any and, and it infuses their entire body and sense of self, if fish have a sense of self, which I doubt. <laughs> <laughs> These fish that were gutted and hung to dry, uh, that they were caught, were once like the fish that are still in the water, right, Mm -hmm. in that they never imagined anything outside of the water. (laughs) They were swimming and swimming, not even sensing the threat that would come. But here they are, hung and dry, utterly disillusioned, right? Right.
1: I wouldn't say disillusioned. I think they're totally unaware now. They've, they've...
0: Yeah. But yeah, you're right. There's no awareness in the fish. <laughs> I'm talking about the disillusionment of the speaker.
1: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yes.
0: Right. So that, that, I mean, I was really projecting there into the landscape that the feelings of the speaker in this particular moment where she feels like she can't articulate exactly how she's feeling. And instead, she gives us an image. Mm-hmm. And some theoreticals, maybe this is a story about. And if she lands on the fish, the fish that were gutted and dried and hung, and then the fish that are swimming around, that all of them are helpless Mm -hmm. in some way. None of them are the fishermen.
1: Some are just lucky today.
0: Exactly. That's exactly it. Some of us are lucky and some of us are not. And that we don't have the power to choose which path or what happens to us. So, that moment where she pans to the fish, where she thinks of the fish and she sees him hanging here and she leaves us on that moment, I feel like is an epiphanic moment for the speaker mm-hmm. that she's understood now something about the world mm-hmm. that she didn't understand before the poem began, before the scene began, um, before she was provoked into utterance to tell us her story. Mm-hmm. So this is why I think of this as a kind of coming-of-age poem, a poem about a realization. Um, and she does that so beautifully, I think, through that final image. And that final image is not clean. She's not making any big pronouncements mm-hmm. or about or giving us any sort of true wisdom about what you should do in this situation. Um, it's not instructions, right? It's simply allowing us to exist in this moment of realization without the clumsiness of saying, at that moment, I realized. <laughs> um, and it's so it's such a beautiful poem, I think, about an epiphany, an epiphany at the threshold of early adulthood.
1: And suddenly somebody has, uh, it's dawned on them the possibility of their own mortality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's very clear by the end of the poem. Maybe if I had read this poem before I went to the Malaysian highlands. <laughs> I I would have stayed in town and gotten lunch there.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what did you think of the poem?
1: I I gotta say I in all things and again we're coming at show two, so I don't want to sound like um, you know overly cocky.
2: Uh huh. And,
1: and I I in in future episodes I will consistently defer to you, and and check my my opinions. But I really think I have the better read of this. I don't understand why. I believe it is a friend who took a hit and that there is far more menace and far more darkness. Because the the camera panning away, I guess not foreshadowing if she's remembering. Quit rolling your eyes.
0: you You tend to read the absolute worst
1: how it kept me alive this long read the worst in every situation you're in and you're gonna live longer it's quite dark what she has shifted over to
0: yes but the darkness is is I think a sentiment about the shape of the world and her understanding of where she possibly is in it mm-hmm. she's still one of those fish that's alive mm-hmm. and so is the friend as far as she knows we don't hear what happens to the friend who I really think is a lover okay we'll have to email Tracy K. Smith, who is too famous to respond to us, <laughs> but maybe we'll have to do it to, to well, end this argument.
1: Let's get famous enough.
0: <laughs> oh, good luck to us. <laughs> okay. We okay. really need to wrap it up.
1: Before we say goodnight, here's that poem one more time.
0: Thirst. By Tracy K. Smith. The old man they called Barque, who welcomed us with food and rice paper cigarettes at the table outside his cabin, was the one who told the soldiers to sit down. They were drunk. They'd seen the plates on our car from the road and came to where you and I and Barque and his son sat laughing. I must have been drunk myself to laugh so hard at what I didn't understand. It was night by then. We smoked to keep off the mosquitoes. There was fish to eat, nothing but fish Barque and the other men caught. The two little girls I played with were asleep in their hammocks. Even Jenny and Manuel, who rode with us and waited while we hurried out of our clothes and into those waves, the color of atmosphere. Before the soldiers sat down, they stood there, chests ballooned. When we showed them our papers, they wanted something else. One of them touched the back of my leg. With your eyes, you told me to come beside you. There were guns slung over their shoulders like tall sticks. They stroked them absently with their fingers. Their leader was called Jorge. I addressed him in the familiar. I gave him a half-empty bottle of what we were drinking. When it was empty, I offered to fill it with water from the cooler. He took a sip, spat it out, and called you by your name. I didn't want to see you climb onto that jeep of theirs. So tall and broad it seemed they ridden in on elephants yoked shoulder to shoulder, flank to flank. Maybe this is a story about the old man they called Barque, the one with the crooked legs that refused to run. Maybe this is a story about being too old to be afraid, and too young not to fear authority, and abuse it, and call it by its name, and call it a liar. Or maybe it's a story about the fish, the ones hanging on branches to dry, and the ones swimming with eyes that would not shut in water that entered them and became them and kept them from thirst. This has been Lit from the Basement, a Vita Readings podcast. This is Danielle.
1: And this is Max.
0: Have a good night.
1: Thank you so much for being here. Bye-bye. Bye. of her mortality we also realize that we're out of time <laughs> <laughs>
0: really that's no, what you came that up is with thats ham handed
1: ham-handed, <laughs> ham-handed. that's a good way to balance her beautiful way of keeping it slightly nebulous and slightly kind of like well I'm not going to tell it's you very what this subtle. means the yeah. ending is
0: very subtle yeah. your like, ending is, is not, not. <laughs> <laughs> oh poor Tracy K Smith I hope she never hears this <laughs>